Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Billy Munger. And hi, I'm Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to Lift the Lid, the podcast that takes you around the world of Formula One. It certainly does. And looking forward to talking a little bit about the Spanish Grand Prix, Billy, because it was it was one that promised a lot, but it never quite happened. But I think before we go there, I think we've got to say a big thank you to Gunther Steiner, who came on. Your old pal. Good old pal, yeah. Well, he tried very hard to sort of have a little dig at me. We did. He did. He did. He didn't take it easy on you, mate, did no, he? he d- no, he never does whenever I see him. But but that's his character. That was what was great. Yeah, that's how he's wired, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. We had a lot of fun, though. If you haven't listened to it, then please go and have a have a listen to it on Lift the Lid Pod. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have a few more guests to follow in the, the coming weeks. So, uh, yeah, exciting times for Lift the Lid the Podcast. I'm uh, enjoying it. Yeah, very much so. Right. As I said, uh, the Spanish Grand Prix Barcelona predictions, Billy. Yeah, review predictions. Oh, 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 of our predictions. Okay, yeah. I mean, should we start with winner? <laughs> start with the winner. Yeah, we all got the winner right. Yeah, we got that. We right. all got the winner right, and I think it was yeah, <laughs> pretty easy win for Max Verstappen, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was very, very easy. But it's a bit worrying, isn't it? Because I have to say, it, Max is driving. So well at the at the present time, he's so within himself. He's, it's so easy for him. Um, I know there was some track limit sort of worries from the from the engineers, but I think overall speed, wow, it's it's impressive to watch. To, to be perfectly honest, but it would be also nice for someone else, yeah, to challenge. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely uh, definitely spice things up a bit. But yeah, at the minute you can't you can't question that Max Verstappen in that Red Bull is. Not only is that car on rails, but he's pushing it on rails and he's not making mistakes. I think that's the only, the main thing I took away from the weekend. Obviously, with Checo struggling in qualifying, you know, Sergio Perez outside of Q3 didn't make the cut. Like their mistakes across the season that I would never expect to see from Max Verstappen. No. I don't know about you, Johnny. I think he's guaranteed to be in Q3 every quality session. That's just, you know, the form he's in. 
I can't see anything else. So it does make it a little bit of a a weird situation in a way, doesn't it? You think the championship fight that we were talking about a few races ago feels like it's slipped away from, from Sergio already. Yeah, but I think I suppose when we look back at the guys who've won championships, someone like Lewis or, or Sebastian, Alonso, Schumacher, Mansell, Proston Senna, they've always had something extra, something special that they can always sort of just have put their hand in their back pocket and go, ah, there's another couple of <laughs> Yeah, a couple so, of attempts in the back pocket. Yeah, and it is. It is amazing how these sort of these rare drivers sort of just turn up every single time. And like, you know, you put Sergio second, very logical. But it just wasn't there this weekend. We all, yeah, actually, no, you didn't. Um, Gunter Steiner agreed with me. He put Sergio second as well. So me and Gunter were both a little bit off the mark with that. Let's have a little look at our predictions then for the Grand Prix. So my top three, Johnny, was Max to win, Sergio to finish second, and Charles Leclerc to finish third. Charles Leclerc, yeah, that one didn't go too well for me. I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to, you know, pursue that Ferrari to to be up there and in the mix but this weekend what went on yeah i i i don't know i think it's something we'll probably talk about a little bit a little bit later but if i look at mine max ocon alonso so i thought actually monaco the updates that sort of came from mercedes but came for the alpine looked as if the car came alive in monaco so you expect it to be mm-hmm. just as good uh going into barcelona but again struggled Big time. Yeah. I mean, Gasly was up there in quality, wasn't he? He was, he was in quality. You're absolutely right. He was there in quality. Um, but uh, those Greek penalties that got didn't really sort of help his race. Yeah. Even in the race, it, it didn't come alive at all for Esteban. Yeah. They weren't setting the world on fire like they were in Monaco. No. So, so they had the one lap, as we saw with Lando as well. But then race pace, I know he had his little coming together, which we discussed as well. But... Yeah, it just didn't really happen. And the same for Falonzo, Mr. Consistency, Alonso. Didn't happen either. Yeah. Worst result of the season, my yes. for Alonso, Johnny. <laughs> it was. Yeah. So, right, let's talk about Sergio qualifying. That really was where it all went. He tongue for it. Yeah, no, it was a weekend of two halves, wasn't it, really, yeah. for Red Bull. You know, you had Max Verstappen absolutely dominating the whole weekend, looking like, you know, he had still more to give. I'm pretty sure if you know the competition had been on his heels, he would have found another couple of temps from somewhere. Yeah. It felt like he was driving within himself. It looked so easy for him. Which is, you know, at Barcelona it's a bit of a proving ground, as you know, Johnny. You know, a lot of testing happens, a lot of high medium speed corners. So, you know, you get a really good understanding in Barcelona of what your car what the package you've got is actually like. So that is like a bit of a daunting prospect, isn't it, for the rest of the season to all of Red Bull's competitors. They've laid down a bit of a marker there, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And, they, you know, again, we, as we as we just discussed, you know, he's driving so, so well at the present time. Uh, I'll tell you what I love to see as well, those last two corners. Yeah. Back. Yeah, what did you make of that? That's the old school layout, isn't it? That's the old school layout. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. And it just looks better. And I think what it did allow as well, I think the problem with the chicane was you, everyone's always going to have a little bit of a shootout if you're following another car. The guy in front will always sort of shoot away. And there's never quite enough time to be able to sort of overtake him into turn one. Oh, it was really, really tough. But it seemed to the cars, which I thought was a very good sign, uh, although it's been a bit mixed throughout the season so far, the 2023 Grand Effect cars looked as if they could actually follow closer and those high-speed corners you got in Barcelona, which allowed for a little bit more of a taking. Not at the front, 
but at least when you were trying to come through the pack, like we saw with um, Sergio, for example, it did happen. And George, of course. Yeah, I definitely think it made the racing yes. better. I, yes. I, I was um, commentating this weekend on F2 and F3 as well. Yeah. And that's something I noticed in the junior category straight away that the layout, them last couple of corners, you know, there was in F2 and F3, I think it was more on the edge, those two corners, you know, a little bit less downforce. There's a little bit more, you know, mistakes being made in the final corner, a few oversteer moments, but it yeah. definitely bunched it up a little bit, the field, but going on the main straight with the DRS. So I think it's a good yeah. thing for, you know, the future of, you know, that, that Grand Prix out in Spain. I think that will make the racing better for the next few years or however long it is on the calendar for. Yeah, exactly. So, just following on briefly, Sergio, I think that's just a sign that championship, it's 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 not going to be him. It's slipping, isn't it? It's not really happening for him because of that consistency that we, we've just discussed. And you just cannot have one bad weekend and he's had a couple now. Yeah, because the, the thing is as well is that you just, with how good the Red Bull car is, the only way you could see Sergio claw in those big chunks of points back would be if there was a lot of mechanical failures for Max Verstappen, you know. Otherwise, yeah. even if Max has the worst weekend of his life, it feels like he's going to finish second. Yes, anyway. Yeah. You're only, you know, you're taking seven points out of him and he'll probably still nick the fastest lap point off you like we saw this weekend, no, just exactly. for measure. Yeah, and I think the difference between the two, I think we only have to go back to Miami where Max had to come through the pack and he did it very, very quickly and then sort of got in the lead. Very, very quickly as well. I think that was a disheartening one for Checo, wasn't it? Because, you know, at that point where it didn't go right for Max on the Saturday in qualifying, Checo's there like, I'm on pole, my teammates miles yeah. behind me, I'm going to have a nice cruisy victory here. Next thing you know, he's flying through the pack, he's passed him, he's comfortably won the race. I think for me, that was like a real, you know, moment where Max Verstappen went yeah every, I know that you've you know you've won a few races and stuff and you think you're in this championship fight but yeah. you're not no we're not he's, he's not but like you know Sergio as we know can take it to Max you know he can be as quick or quicker on his day so I think there still will be races that we go to well that will that will happen and that'll be only good for us because we do want Sergio to push Max and um, to be honest I would imagine Max would probably enjoy Enjoy that as well. But someone else who might be coming into the mix, Mercedes? The Merc boys, yeah. Mm -hmm. this is a, It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because like I said, Barcelona in previous years, it's been a proving ground. Obviously, Mercedes brought these updates to Monaco, which is a completely outlier in terms of, you know, from a circuit point of view, lots of slow speed corners. Yeah. And they were okay in Monaco, but they weren't, and they weren't anything special. They definitely yeah. weren't Red Bull's closest, you know, competitors. But yeah, this weekend... It looks the start of the weekend. It was not looking like Merck were going to be quick. No. You know, Lewis in practice was you know really struggling, saying that our Q three will be a struggle. Next thing you know, he's you know up there in qualifying, and then in the race, the race pace, they just were genuinely quicker than Aston Martin and Ferrari. Yeah, and I suppose that's the confusing thing. We we expected Aston to do better. We expected probably Ferrari. Although, did we expect for a Ferrari to be better? Probably not, to be honest. Bale. Well, I put one on. A, I put yeah. a Ferrari on the podium. You put an Aston on the podium, and they both got outperformed by the Merck. So, yes, and there we go. But you're right. The consistency of the Merck that because we, I think we all know Barcelona is a 
fire-eating circle. Yeah, hi, hi, Deg. Yeah, and he's never been probably a strong side of, of uh, Mercedes, I suppose, but but they looked as if they had a car that was able to give them what they needed to get those, those two podium positions. But, of course, it still wasn't really in the same park as the Red Bull and Max, to be honest. So there's still a long way to go, and it's only one race. Yeah. So let's see if we can consistently do it. Uh, with the races coming our way shortly. And hopefully that will give us a sign because I think this is not really a sign. Yeah, it's a good place to test the upgrade, but it's the consistency that we need to see. Yeah, that was their first double podium of the season, Mercedes. So they need to back that up and, you know, try and get a few more of those, you know, those big podium results and build some momentum into their championship. What did you make of um, the qualifying for Mercedes? Because we're talking about how good their race day was, you know, double podium, Lewis in second, George in third. But in quali, it was a bit of a, you know, they were close to each other, probably, you know, too close, some would say, down that main straight, <laughs> making a bit of contact, mate. They certainly were. Yeah, there was a little bit of miscommunication going on there, so uh, not looking in the mirror or something from, from from what I could see. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't done on purpose at all. It was scrappy, though, wasn't it? It was just scrappy, yes, again. It was just scrappy, very unnecessary, something they learned from. So I'm sure they won't put themselves in that position because... For Lewis, that could have gone very, very wrong. Could have gone wrong. It could have, it could have hit that grass, and it could have quite easily turned left into the barrier the other side. And at that speed, that would have been quite a, quite a moment. But thankfully, that 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 wasn't the case. So yeah, bit of bit of mis- miscommunication, I'm sure, from George. Yeah. What did what did you make of? I've I've not. I don't know about you, mate, but the last couple of races, I've noticed there's been quite a few. You know, impeding situations. You know, Gasly got two free place penal- uh, grid penalties from qualifying in Barcelona. The weekend before that, Charles Leclerc, you know, for blocking Lando. It yeah. does seem to me at the minute that there's, there seems to be a bit of an issue with, you know, drivers and getting, you know, clear communication in qualifying. It's It seems like that's creeping into... The last couple of races in particular, there's been a lot of issues, haven't there, in that department? Yeah, I, I don't know about you. I do sometimes feel that the drivers totally rely on the radio communications from their team to tell them where the cars are. And I get that. You know, you, it's good to know what's what's happening behind you. Um, but you've got to take responsibility as well. You know, those mirrors are, are there for a reason and you can spot a car a little bit further back and you can spot a car that's pretty close to you as well. So that's why I said the responsibility has got to be the drivers as well, because they've got to use all the tools they've got. And that's what mirrors are. The teams, maybe they've got to wake up a little bit more to feed them that information a little bit quicker, but they're in the car. They're the ones looking uh, around them in the mirrors and just making sure they're not going to get in way, get in the way of each other because they're going to get a penalty. I mean, that's that's a good thing because that's the right thing to do. Yeah, I think the way that the rules are being applied, the, the grid place penalty is being handed out. I think the no one's can really complain about you know that the, um, the penalties we're seeing. And in fact, I think for Gasly, it was kind of the two free place grid penalties he got probably it could have been a, a bigger penalty applied if the likes of the Carlos Sainz hadn't made it through into the later parts of qualifying. You know, sometimes, you know, you could literally cost someone 10, 15 grid positions if you block them at the, at the wrong moment in a tight qualifying session. So I think it, it kind of worked itself out in the end, that one. Um, but yeah, that was a, it, it's just something I've noticed that, you know, in qualifying as of recent times, it's been, 
a little bit of an issue that's been popping up between the, the drivers and the team. So we'll have to watch out for that in Canada because, you know, it, it's still, that's a ruthless circuit. You know, it's another fast street circuit, not much room to stay offline. So that is something to be aware of. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think, you know, I think we'd be both the same B. I think we we would have seen that people are getting penalties and I think we make sure we're aware of what's going on around us so we don't get ourselves into a situation of, of being penalised for, for blocking someone. So hopefully it's going to wake up uh, the drivers. I'm sure it will, because I'm sure they'd be very aware that they don't need, to, uh, they don't want to lose uh, a couple of positions when it comes out of qualifying. Yeah, and a, and a quick word just um, on the, did you see any of the, the team principal chat after the race? You know, there was obviously a lot of questions towards, you know, Toto saying, you know, are you back? This, that and the other. And then there was a couple of questions posed to, to Christian Horner where he was like, yeah, it's good to see Mercedes back, but equally they're 20 seconds behind us and he kind of shot them down a little bit. So there was a little bit of, you know, I felt like to me, old school Christian on a Toto Wolf, bit of back and forth going on. Yeah, probably not a surprise. Um, of course, at the present time, Christian, Red Bull, you know, have got the upper hand. So they can actually sort of, you know, play around, I suppose, with with the words that maybe Toto's throwing at them. Um, but at the end of the day, Almost stayed his back, not yet. So I think I think Christian's very aware that they're not a threat at the moment. Well, no one is a threat at the moment. You're, you're completely right, Johnny. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break, and we'll be back with you shortly for more of our review on Barcelona and everything that went on. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back, guys. So, Johnny, next up, do you have a little chat around the red team, Ferrari? Yeah. Mm. What, what what do we make of that situation? Because, you know, they brought some big upgrades to this weekend. You know, they went down the Red Bull-style side pods, and it just didn't work out for them, really. I mean, Carlos qualified on the front row, but again, no race pace from the, the Ferrari cars. No, not at all. I, I suppose the the problem is when you try to go down a similar route to another car, it's only skin deep. Yeah, <laughs> it's not just about what's on the on the surface. It's how everything else works on the floor, on the on the on the edges of the floors themselves. How actually the the, the floors uh, are are creating the downforce and where they're actually sort of directing that air as well. So there's a lot of other things that need to come to fruition. I'll tell you what. I felt very sorry for Carlos Sainz because he did a great job 
in qualifying, getting himself on the, on that front row. So you thought that his home race as well. So there was a lot of pressure, and Charles yes. had those issues and didn't deliver, which is rare for him. No. And Carlos did step up to the mark, didn't he? Well, he did. Um, and then you go into the race itself, and unfortunately for him, normally he would have finished yeah. on the podium. That would have been a brilliant result for him. But he had two Mercs that were going very, very quickly. And, of course, that was then knocking him off of that podium. So I felt sorry for him because he did a good job in qualifying. In real terms, he, he would have been third. But it's now just because another team has suddenly got it all together. And he lost out because of that, because the car itself hasn't quite got that royal pace. We know they've got the degradation problem. Barcelona is an absolutely awful place for that to to be seen, I suppose. But to finish fifth, you know, he'd be very, very disappointed. And of course, then Charles wasn't even able to. We've seen this before, haven't we, with Ferrari and Charles, where when they're a little bit further back, they can't charge through. They just get stuck in the rack. It doesn't seem like they've got a car that can follow in traffic, does it? It seems like whatever goes on with their car, as soon as they're out of position, that they're, they're really affected by it, aren't they? Yeah, and, and I think partly when it's a clear track, we know they've got degradation problems, as we saw in Baku when they were leading the race with, with Charles, and then over, only after a couple of laps, they started to really, really struggle. When you follow another car, makes it worse. that actually makes it 10 times worse. So so it's a bit of a double... Make mem- a good point. Yeah, from that, from that point of view. So it's frustrating, I think, for us, for them, for Ferrari fans, for Formula One, because we... I suppose the expectations were so high coming into this season that maybe they're going to be able to sort of learn from what happened over the last couple of years, come into this new ground effect era and actually have a have a good car. But that's sadly not, not the case, is it? No, Ferrari are on the back foot. They've got a lot of work to do. Um, I think we heard a lot of frustration and confusion from Charles Leclerc, didn't we, this weekend, particularly in qualifying, you know, 19th on the gritty qualified you know and the team couldn't really diagnose the issues could they you know charles was really complaining saying left-hand corners the car's undrivable so you'd think it'd be a fairly you know obvious something to find but they they made a lot of changes to that car overnight they ended up starting from the pit lane but yeah weird weekend for charles leclerc yeah and then talking of confusion aston martin <laughs> What happened to Fernando Alonso this weekend? He's gone missing in Spain. I think the fans, someone jumped in his car and said it wasn't Fernando Alonso. It was a lookalike in that Aston Martin this weekend. And then Stroll has a better weekend. Yeah. So it was more competitive uh, as well. So yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy to see Fernando struggling like he, like he was at his home Grand Prix at a track. That he, you know, historically he's gone very well at as well. So, yeah, very confused. And again, where the car's been very, very good all the way through the year. We go to Monaco and he's sort of fighting for that sort of race win, which didn't quite happen for him. But again, it's at a circuit very different than everywhere else we go. And you thought, well, Barcelona, that's just going to suit them down to the ground. Uh, just again, mighty confusing. Why? They weren't able to sort of find the right balance. And I and I know the circuit is very, very tough because of the high-speed corners that you've got. And you need to be able to carry that speed through the corners. But, of course, if a car either sort of has a little bit of, I don't know, over-sensitive front-end bite and is a little bit squirmy, I don't know if that was the problem, that is where, obviously, you're going to lose quite a quite a lot of time. Understeer is the other side where it would damage the tyres, 
But I don't think it was a damaging tyres. It was just raw pace. Wasn't yeah, it? they just they they have had qualifying sessions this season already, haven't they? Where they've not been particularly good in qualifying, but their race pace has bailed them out, and they've managed to you know make up positions the Astons. But I think yeah, the, the combination of the, the high tyre deg and you know it being tricky to overtake in Barcelona basically meant that but their poor qualifying kind of limited what they could do on the Sunday uh, and they just generally looked a little bit short of pace this weekend so I'm sure that'll be a little bit concerning if you're Fernando Alonso because you know last weekend of Monaco he was you know eight hundredths away in qualifying from getting pole position and looking at a a Monaco Grand Prix win and now he's you know back in the lower end of the point so he won't like the consistency levels in that 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 Aston Martin shown him in the last couple of weekends. No, but he still finished sixth and seventh uh, for Lance and then for Fernando. But it was a good weekend for for Aston as far as the, for the constructors goes. But it was just that raw pace that wasn't quite there. Stroll had a better weekend, which is which is good to see. Now it's that again, like we said about Sergio, it's that consistency. If he can just keep that going, got Canada coming up very sh- shortly, so that's going to be his. Yeah. His home, home race. The timing, maybe the timing is, is is good for Lance to have another strong one when they get to get to Canada as well. But I think we both know, and we all know that you know Fernando will bounce back uh, with a vengeance. Yeah, and uh, I feel like Canada, the challenges around that place, that could suit the likes of uh, Fernando Alonso. I remember a couple of years back, him in the Alpine, he stuck it on the front row in a sort of tricky qualifying session that we had out in Canada. The wall of champions, you know, yes. that's something, you know, that they're going to have, have to contend with. I feel like it's something that would bring good stuff out for Nando Alonso. So I do expect to see a bit of a bounce back from him in Canada. We'll have to wait and see, you know, how high that bounce back is. Interesting you say that about Canada, because that's somewhere where actually Lewis Hamilton has been very strong historically as well. Yeah. And I wonder and I hope that if that Mercedes performance that we saw in Barcelona is something that they can sort of turn up in Canada as well with that, then we know Lewis loves that that circuit. So that'll be Lewis sort of there. Max, obviously, we know will be at the sharp end and then throw Fernando into the mix as well. So so potentially, yeah, potentially, we could have a, an exciting one to go in there. And we, we briefly mentioned him earlier on, but I, I do feel, although the race didn't go to plan for Lando Norris, it is worth giving him a shout-out, isn't it? Because, you know, that McLaren um, on the Saturday, he managed to get, you felt like every little bit out of that car um, possible. He was, you know, on the the second row, third on the grid, really quite close to, you know, Carlos Sainz, like knocking around that front row material. Impressive qualifying from him. Yeah, big time. Um, And it was lovely to see because it's been a bit of a tough uh, season so far. But I think the way that he dealt with that Barcelona track in in a McLaren that sort of hasn't sort of been kind uh, to him or the team itself, but then to wrestle it around there and get that type of result was was wonderful to see. And then you got all excited before the start, thinking good opportunity here to get some uh, decent points. And of course, it it didn't last very long, did it? Turn two, yeah, unravelled very quickly for for Lando. There was a bit of a bunch up bunching up situation at turn two because Carlos tried to go around the outside of Max and then had to get on the anchors for. You know, for turn two, Lewis slowed down and then I think Lando just wasn't expecting it and just, you know, got caught out, made contact. Front wing change, you know, at that point it's race over for him really, isn't it? So it was a 
it was one of just one of those weekends where the race didn't go to plan, but it was good to see, you know, the likes of Orlando up there and qualifying, another team in the mix, you know. It it felt like, you know, we had the Red Bulls up there this weekend, obviously doing their usual uh, you know, winning ways. You had Mercedes showing glimpses of pace in the race, Alpine, you know, Gasly qualifying fourth, McLaren third, Carlos on the front row. It does feel like there's a good battle of cars behind the Red Bulls, you know, when it, you know, it feels like, you know, you can get the occasional good performance from a, from a McLaren, the Alpine's the same, and then you've got Merck, Ferrari and Aston that are always, you know, in that mix. So I'm hoping that means we'll get some good racing, even if we kind of know who first and second are going to be most weekends. Yeah, I think so. And again, it's, it's good that there is a little bit of a mix-up in that mid-pack because that's only good for us going into a weekend because there is a little bit of an unknown. There's a there's a known what's happening right at the at the front of front of the pack with with Max and sometimes Sergio. Um, but behind, yeah, there are so many opportunities for these guys to be able to get that sort of either second second podium or third podium at, at worst. Um, and that battle is going to be interesting because some of the tracks we're going to, like we've had a Monaco, we've had Barcelona, uh, and a, then a Canada. They're, they're completely different types of circuit. Very different racetracks, aren't they? Yeah. So that's where it's going to be fascinating to see who's going to be um, able to get the best out of their cars on, on, on that given track. And it does seem to be twisting around, which is which is really really nice the only one comment i'll mention about lando and i hope he learns from it because i think he he could have been a little bit more aware what was going on in front of him just to make sure you don't get yourself in that 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 position he found himself in because i think it, it, it could have been avoidable i know it's racing and i know in the heat of the moment it's 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 always a tough one on the first lap but i think it's something you you just can't get yourself into a a clumsy sort of touch and then damaging the the wing like he did because he he lost out at the end the end of the day. I know he spoke about after the race where he wasn't really expecting to have a good race, but uh, we will never know. Yeah, um, and a final shout out from me: got the chance this weekend out in Barcelona to speak to Yuki Sonoda after the Grand Prix. Yeah, and just wanted to give him a big hug, Johnny. He was absolutely devastated. Bless him. You know, Alpha Tauri have had us. You know a tricky car to deal with this season. It's not been the most competitive. I think they're down in ninth in the constructors. Yeah. And he got that penalty at the end, didn't he, for, you know, the incident with uh, with Joe. What are your thoughts on that one, mate? Because I thought, you know, it was quite harsh in my opinion. Bloody ridiculous. Yeah. Crazy. You've got two drivers going down towards turn one, uh, Yuki on the inside. Someone tries to go around the outside, Joe Graham, you, and the... The door, you know very well, is going to get smaller. If it was, if it was will to will around turn one, okay, he's there. Yeah, you have to give him room at that point. Yeah, at that point, you can't get through. But you know, that's what drivers do. That's what the car will move from. Let me get this right. From the right of the apex, it will. Yes, it will move across to the left because y- yes, you're going to turn left. <laughs> yeah. And then it comes on. It comes on the radio of Joe Gorin. Yeah, he squeezed me, forced me off the circuit. Come on, that's exactly what is going to happen. Of course, then the stewards fell for it, and they made they gave them that penalty. I just find these guys are racing. We know, you know, how what and what racing is all about. You you know you do use the road that is on the circuit, and he had the right to do it because why? Because he was ahead. It was his corner, wasn't it? It was his corner. 
crikey, it's so damn obvious. So, yeah, very, very disappointed for him because uh, he's had a bit of a tough a tough season and AlphaTauri have as well. So, yeah, a bit crazy. Yeah, there was, like I say, it was a bit of a, a mixed decision, I think. Even listening in commentary, everyone kind of, all the all the ex-drivers were of the yeah. same opinion, really, that they, they thought it was harsh. So, I think, you know, stewards' decisions, we don't like to talk about the stewards too much, but, you know, there was a little bit, you know, a few controversial ones in there this weekend. So, it'll um, it'll be interesting to see how that sort of, you know, develops over the next few races whether they can you know find a, a good level and and start to get those sorts of decisions going right yeah but i think also billy and you, and you know this as well the drivers have a responsibility to go into the fia and have a chat with the race director and try and explain you know that that racing situation so they're aware of of what goes on in the cockpit as well i know we got a driver steward in the, in the steward's room as well but I think that's where sometimes the drivers just need to have a little little chat with the race director just to sort of explain it a little bit more so they don't get themselves in that position. Because it the way it the way it sort of works out with that situation that we had in Barcelona, it's like, well, what can you do? What is the right thing to do? Well, the right thing to do is actually what Sonoda did, but now there's a question mark. Yeah. And that question should not be there. Yeah, we definitely want to get those situations sorted. Yeah. Right, so that's our, our Barcelona review, mate. I feel like we've covered most of the topics in that one. It wasn't, you know, the best of Grand Prix, but no. equally... I've seen worse. Yeah, I've seen, <laughs> seen worse Grand Prix, you know. So I think the last changes to the couple corners for me seem to be a positive. Um, I'd be quite happy if next year it was exactly the same layout with the old school quick right-handers. Definitely. And on to Canada and we'll see, you know, if the, if Mercedes can stay in the mix, if Red Bull are going to dominate again, should be a fascinating Grand Prix we've got um, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. I think there's, there's a good opportunity, Billy, as we've discussed. Uh, obviously, no one's really going to take it to Max, I don't think. But having that Mercedes there, hopefully a, a more competitive uh, Aston Martin, Alpine, and hopefully a Ferrari as well, and that little pack behind the Red Bulls. There could be some exciting racing coming our way in Canada. Absolutely. Pleasure to do this, mate. I've really enjoyed going through that race with you, mate. Me too. And we'll be back with another podcast before Canada, giving you our predictions for what we expect to see from the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, But for now, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Take care. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell.